I got really sick, uh-huh. and I, I was hit. I was working contracts, so I didn't have any coverage. I had a go kart though, and so I made an appointment to go to the, the little go care clinic. And they ran. My appointment was like for 10 o'clock in the morning, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. I got there in time for my appointment. They did not call me until like two or three o'clock in the evening. Mm-hmm. They ran these whole series of tests, which were inconclusive. And so they were like, "Okay, we're going to have to refer you to a specialist. You're going to have to go to LBJ mm-hmm. to, to go to a specialist." That appointment is for I think it was like January of the following year. I was at the doctor in the summertime, in like June or July. They're telling me that I couldn't go see a specialist until January of wow. the next year. So I went home and I told my mom, and she, she called her. She called me to check on me because she knew I was going to the doctor. And I told her what the problem was. Everything I ate or drank went straight through. Mm-hmm. I wasn't r- r- retaining anything. I drank water, and it would just go straight through. Oh. And I told my mom, and she was like, shoot fooling around with those people, you'll be dead. So... This is Francine. She's a baby boomer. I'm a millennial, one generation apart. We met over the weekend at one of her favorite restaurants to talk about this legislative session. Here's more from our conversation. That was the difference between having help, not having healthcare. I went to diagnostic, and I did have, I had what I have IBS or, or whatever. So they gave me help. But fast forward, the following year, I got a job, mm-hmm. and I had insurance, and I had same similar problem. I went to the doctor. I had coverage. I had to pay my copay, and and I walked right into the doctor. It wasn't no five-hour wait or anything. So my first experience was the difference between a person who has health care and a person who does not and the level of care that that person who does not who the the care that they receive at the clinic or the whatever I don't know what it was the the county or Mm -hmm. whatever is way different than that that a person who is practically a paying customer receives. And seeing share with me her fears about being recognized by her employer. Even though we both know that it's illegal, we wanted to change her name for the sake of this recording and her privacy. Just like Francine, I know that sometimes the quality of care you receive here in Houston is based on your ability to pay. And in some warped way, we've come to think that this is okay when it's not how it should be. We sat in a restaurant on Sunday with families who most likely dined in after church talking about the issues that we most hope will be passed in the next few months by our elected officials in Austin. I think for me, there are some that are health related that I'm interested in. Like, um, I think there's this opt out that's, that's really important to me. Routine opt-out HIV testing is what Francine's talking about. About one in five people don't know that they're living with HIV, a preventable virus, simply because they're not tested by their provider. And the fear is on both sides. Like last month, 
I asked my primary care doctor to include an HIV test in my yearly exam, and she looked at me like, sis, you good? As if she needed more justification to test me. Her hesitance made things awkward, but knowing my HIV status empowers me. It's a reminder that I'm in control of my health and my healthcare provider works for me. When I speak to people about whether they got an HIV test in their annual checkup, what always surprises me is how many people who go to the doctor assume that it's automatically done. Routine HIV testing is not a regular part of a wellness exam, but it should be because it allows everyone to know their status and get engaged in care. Passing mandatory opt-out HIV legislation as a standard part of a person's yearly checkup with the opportunity to decline the test can create a culture of routine and widespread HIV testing. It has the opportunity to get individuals living with HIV diagnosed and into care, decreasing further transmissions, and best of all, ending the stigma around HIV. I was looking at some of the other ones, uh, which aren't health related, but they could be raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Mm. To me, I know a lot of people are making minimum wage and they're making it, and so that would help them, even though the restaurant owners are saying that's going to hurt us because that's going to make us pay, you know, materials cost too much money, supplies. Uh, and then there's one for teachers them to get a, a raise. I think that's really, that's, that's important. Here in Texas, we have a community plan to end the HIV epidemic. To get there, Francine understands that this is much bigger than HIV. A living wage and affordable health care for everyone are good places to start. On March 20th, we'll be heading to the state capitol for HIV Advocacy Day. I hope that you will join us. Sign up and learn more at www.legacytakesaction.org slash HIV Day.